This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Okay, right here. It says right here in this, this account we have $401,000. Jackpot. Nope, uh, that says you have a 401k account. If you liquidate that right now, you'll have, you know, maybe $5,000. So what happened to the other $396,000? What is wrong with the two of you? Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if you're like me and like to wait until the very last minute to do anything, you're going to love today's guest. He's our last minute tax help pro, Bob Wheeler. In our headline segment, we'll share lessons from a fortune story about a 44-year-old who retired early. What can we learn? Maybe a bunch. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky stacker, and then I'll share some sky-high trivia. And now, two guys who like to live life on the edge. It's Joe and O J J J J G. Hey there, stackers! And uh, Doug, you're not sky high right now, are you? Not as far as you know. It was oh. today the urine test. Just, oh, it's the trivia. <laughs> the company urine test. Mom comes down. We all gotta shamefully take the thing to the restroom hey everybody welcome to the no it wasn't me podcast i'm joe saul see hi average joe money on twitter welcome to wednesday and the guy who brings wednesday seven days a week mr og is here how are you man very well thank you for asking how are Uh, you you, you're welcome mr politeness (laughs) we're actually recording this after a rain delay we had a rain delay on this episode Baseball rain delay. We, we did. It's getting back to baseball season coming up here soon. Yes. Yeah. Can't wait. Uh, speaking of can't wait, can't wait for uh, Bob Wheeler to give us last minute tax tips. OG, you got your taxes done? <laughs> you know the answer to that. OG because, doesn't do taxes. Because you're, <laughs> you've got part of the, uh, part of the deal. So uh, no, they're not done. Do you like me just pouring salt in that wound with a microphone running? I like that you like... To have them done early, and I would like to help you get them done early. However, however, we were waiting for Bob Wheeler. I to was, come here. yeah, just to double check, make sure we got everything down the way we want it. Bob, of course, is uh, not only a great podcaster with the Money Should Ask podcast. You know, funny should ask, money should ask. The reason, by the way, he's got that pun is because he's also the CFO of the Comedy Store, one of the top uh, comedy clubs in the nation. He, he told me, OG. That if we do a meetup again in LA, we can do it at the comedy store. How fun would that be? Yeah. 
Might as well. If he's got a comedy store, I'm going to highly recommend we increase the budget and just walk in there and buy a <laughs> few better jokes. Just buy like some. If you can just get them off the shelf, they can't be worse than what we're already using. It is, it is, it's got to be something out there. Well, let's talk about the budget while everybody uh, listens to this. Hold on a second. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Okay, the budget's a little higher now, Doug. Now that we ran those, we can actually afford to keep going. Bob Wheeler giving us last minute tax tips. So uh, let's get moving on this headline first. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines. Our headline uh, comes to us from Fortune. How a 44-year-old built up enough F-U money, that's right from the title, to retire early. It's not just avoid avocado toast. Are we at the point yet that we're rolling our eyes over the avocado toast reference? Like that was so funny three years ago, maybe four years ago. Yeah. Uh, This is uh, written by Alicia Adamsick. Alicia writes, Charmaine Chi enjoys early retirement so much she has to remind herself to take days off. If that sounds counterintuitive, it's probably because Chi's life now, two years into retiring from her nine to five banking job, doesn't reflect the image conjured in some people's minds when they picture retiring early. I love this piece, OG, for a different reason than than some of the pieces we've spoofed lately. We talked about the guy that rented out his boat, right? Took out a bunch of leverage. Don't get me wrong, that's pretty cool, but there was still some eye roll there. In this case, she says she doesn't spend her time lounging on the beach, traveling the world, or blogging about early retirement. That joke is so funny, it's even in this piece, right? Now I make all my money just blogging about how I retired early. Instead, she works part-time for a local theater company in her hometown of Buffalo, New York, and practices writing and other creative pursuits. Her husband, who left his IT job two years ago, spends his time weightlifting, volunteering with a local search and rescue team, and fostering dogs. She says, now that my whole life is only stuff I want to do, taking time off is very tricky. And this, I think, OG, is a big key. When you retire, it's got to be to something, not just from something. 
And you see, you got to see a lot of the time when people retire, they go through this, who am I really thing, right? Do you see a lot of people that kind of have this existential angst when they retire? Well, I mean, starting with the money component of it, I, I think that there's a lot of times people who are really good savers rather, and then you have to turn into a spender in retirement. And that's just not anything that people are generally great at if they were great savers, you know? So then we think about the impact of how that works, the kind of mechanism of like, I've got to rewire my entire brain around being okay with taking money out of my account being okay with literally withdrawing the money and not saving anything. Especially when you were disciplined for as long as it takes to get that yeah. money there, whether it's 40. I mean, she's, if she's retired at 42 and I'm going to talk about more great stuff she's doing. If she's retired at 42, she's got this gene going where she's got this, well, not even a gene. She's got a habit. She's been working for, yeah. you know, at least 20 years. Yeah. So that's the first issue is kind of transitioning into being a spender instead of a saver. That's kind of difficult. And, and figuring out what you're going to do throughout the day, you know, you kind of make those lists of things. You know, people say, oh, "I want when I retire, I want to play golf all the time." And golf's a fantastic sport. I I, I love playing golf. But have you ever played golf four days in a row? Like how, how your back hurts, your legs are sore, your shoulders. You know, like I suppose there's a point like anything. Like you could just get used to it. But there's a reason why the pros don't play every tournament. You know what I mean? Like if you like playing golf and then all of a sudden you turn that into, I'm going to do it every single day for the rest of my life. You're going to stop liking golf. You know, we want to travel when we're retired. Okay. Well, that's fine, but where, and, and you're not going to just spend the entire year on the road. You have to have some time at home and it's important to work through those questions before you walk away or just figure it out on the fly. I mean, I'm a really high quick start type person. So I'm okay with, I'd be okay with going, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to, I'm just going to do something. I'll see what happens. What do you do for your plan then? I mean, do you plan then just similar amount of money to what you're spending today? Like if you're trying to put some numbers together, what oh, do you yeah. do if you're going to be a high quick start? Well, nobody's going to retire into a lifestyle that's less than what they do now. That's generally the case. So especially in early retirement, right? You're not going to say, I'm going to stop working at 40 so I can go live on half of the, what I'm used to. That's unlikely. So I think having it be the exact same or a similar spend number is probably the first place to start. Yeah. It's sad to see people that either give this no thought or they think that they're going to transition into something and they're not really sure what. They just know they want to get away from this job because you see these stages that are often like stages of grief. I was speaking with a gentleman at the economy conference recently, and he had just told his bosses that he was going to retire and he was in his early forties as well. And he said, oh, gee, even before he retired, he hasn't even retired yet. And he's already kind of feeling the, who am I beyond this? Like, I'm so used to saying that I do this. He hasn't had his last day yet. He's already feeling that. And then the second you leave and you find out that the job goes on without you and they're actually yeah. okay without you, a lot of times people have to cope with that. Yeah. Yeah. They managed to make it. Well, that, and I think the other complexity that happens, especially with an early retirement is most of your social group won't also be in the same spot as you. Good point. You know, so if you're going to retire when you're 40 and you go, oh, well, we can't wait to retire and we're going to do this fun stuff like travel. And then you call your friends and say, Hey, we found this great trip to Paris for a month. It's going to be awesome. We're going to walk the countryside in France. <laughs> like your friends are going to look at you like you have three heads and be like, 
I, I mean, we can go for four days, but Bill's got that big deposition, you know, or like whatever, right? Like we have stuff going on, you know, we can't, we, we can't just go horse around with you for the whole, the whole time. So the way you solve that OG is you just get a friend group that's like 10 or 12 years older than you. And then when you retire early, they're already retired. And then you're having fun eating lunch at like three in the or dinner at three in the afternoon. You're it's going a to all of the special. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I think that's actually probably one of the worst things that you can do because you end up with. You Fairly end up certain with that's a, why Doug brought it up. Yeah. I mean, you end up with, well, I don't think that Doug had a, he didn't have it. He didn't have his normal sarcastic tone. So I just want to clarify it because then you start hanging out with old people and then, and then you have old people problems. You know, I hang out with three, four hours with you guys. I have to, it's like a three to one ratio of of the amount of time I have to go do young people stuff to offset. Why does he lash out like that, It's a completely different decade, almost generation, I think. It's just, it's just a weird thing. So I just have to. Well, you guys know, you guys know that happened to my dad, right? And I've told the story here It happens to everyone. Yeah, we had to have an intervention with my dad because he retired at a young age. He retired just after he turned 50. And uh, we had to, before he turned 60, have a meeting. We're like, Dad, we love your friends. Your friends are great. You got to hang out with younger people. Because my dad was all of a sudden having all the aches and pains these old guys were having. It was not good. And he totally started acting like he was 10 years older. Yeah. Nice people. Just very difficult. That part's difficult. I think it's interesting, OG, that she stays really busy. Back to this piece, Charmaine stays really busy and that she spends time doing what she wants. It says here, Alicia writes, but you need not feel bad for her. That was always the point of trying to save as much as possible in her 30s. She says it's not that she didn't want to work. She wanted to be able to spend her days pursuing her passions without worrying about finances. So she talks about how she gets exhausted, but it's all stuff that she loves doing all day long. Like how fantastic is that, that she can do that? She said, when you don't have to spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week earning a paycheck, whatever you would fill that time with, that's the reason to retire early. She says, all I want to do is creative stuff all day, every day. And that's what I'm doing. She declined to say exactly how much they'd save, but she did say that this so-called lean fire, right? Where you barely have enough to make it and you're going to go ahead and quit your job which somebody aims for a million dollars in savings before retiring was quote, not enough for her and her husband to feel comfortable taking the plunge. They had to have more. They couldn't have just the basics. Oh gee, they had to make sure they had a buffer. Well, the earlier that you retire, the earlier that you're trying to have that financial independence, the more important that margin of safety is going to be because without it, anything that goes wrong and you're going to be kind of stuck and, I know there's a lot of thought around, well, I'll just go back to work. But especially if you work in anything that's a technical field that requires like constant innovation and constant like learning, you know, if you, if you retire at 40 and your plan doesn't work and you're 52 trying to find, trying to find work, uh, that's a lot of time that you weren't kept up to speed on process or technology or whatever's going on and just out of practice, let alone the known issues of discrimination against, you know, older people are trying to find new work. So you better have enough to kind of withstand some, some pretty big waves, especially the earlier that you go for sure. She uh, said that they did a few tried and true early retirement money saving strategies. Some of them are, they had one vehicle for two of them, cutting out that cost a lot, maxed out their 401k and IRA retirement accounts every year. And they cut extra spending about things that they didn't really care about. 
She also said, and we brought this up uh, in an episode recently about the the most expensive, <laughs> the most expensive things in your life. And number one on that list was children. And she also said they do not have children, which she said allowed them to be able to do this as well. We'll link to this piece and also do a deeper dive tomorrow in our newsletter. The 201 always comes out a day after the Monday, Wednesday shows. It's always free and always has links diving deeper into strategies that we've curated that can help you go further. So maybe you can retire early yourself or retire with more money. Coming up next, Bob Wheeler is the uh, CPA behind the hit podcast, Money You Should Ask. It's a great discussion about money. He also wrote a book on the topic of money called The Money Nerve, Navigating the Emotions of Money. It's also fun to find a guy who's a CPA who's worried about not just tax savings, but also the emotional behavioral parts of investing. And that is uh, our friend, Bob, who you're going to meet in a moment. But before we get there, Doug, I think you've got some trivia for us. You know how excited Bob must be to hear you say it's fun to meet a CPA. Like, I mean, (laughs) all the CPAs listening to us right now are like, yes, nobody (laughs) says that, but it's true. No, they're like, we're all fun. We're misunderstood. (laughs) Come to one of our conventions. (laughs) You'll see. We play Yahtzee. Anyway, hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and it's time for old Uncle Doug's history lesson. On this day in 1976, billionaire recluse and father of the spruce goose, Howard Hughes, died of kidney failure. His celebrity status in Hollywood and mega wealth led to an entire film about him called The Aviator, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. No truth to the rumor that it was just me in disguise, though. Thank you. Just like Hughes, this film was so over the top that it went half a million bucks over budget, which director Martin Scorsese covered personally. My question for you is, what actress played Howard Hughes' movie star girlfriend, Katherine Hepburn, in The Aviator? I'll be back right after I reevaluate my dating life at The Sizzler. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they can also be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. Oh God. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. U.S. Cellular, a company that sells phones, wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. Well, you know, what I think about Navy Federal, I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate to see all of their 
Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Hey there, stackers. I'm movie buff and celebrity gossip guru, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And okay, how in the flying heck did Howard Hughes have time to date while also building and flying planes, producing and directing films, and being a Hollywood playboy? I don't even have time to fold my laundry when it comes out of the dryer and stay up to date with The Bachelor without falling behind. Maybe I'm just not applying myself. But, stackers, your question was this. Which actress played Howard Hughes' movie star girlfriend, Katherine Hepburn, in The Aviator? If you guessed Joe's mom, think again. It's just so funny. It was her lookalike, Kate Blanchett, who actually played the part. And now it's time to get some last-minute tax help from the host of Money You Should Ask, Bob Wheeler. Well, with tax time right around the corner, I'm super excited to talk to this guy, the host of the Money You Should Ask podcast, and also the CFO of the Comedy Store, Mr. Bob Wheeler is here. How are you, man? Joe, I'm doing great. Good to see you. It's tax it's time. Good, it's good, good to see you. You're one of the few people I know who get excited about this time of year. Like, it's a big giant I, I, party for you. It's it's fun. We all get to get refunds or pay the government or do something. And we get to look at our past and then file it and move on. Where did this sickness come from, Bob? You know, I don't know. I, well, I like to figure out how to beat the system legally. Um, so I think that's my joy is let's figure out how to keep as much money in our pockets when possible. Yeah. One of my best friends said, he's like, I'm all for people paying their fair share. But the bad news is, is that for some people, especially if you have a business, maybe we'll get into that. You got some real estate property, your fair share and my fair share might be different depending on how good our tax help is. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people pay more than their fair share and there's no need to. Well, let's dive into this. Just some easy things, Bob. Somebody has a straightforward W-2, you know, the rules changed a while ago. We just work for somebody else. We get W-2 income. We really don't have much else. I know that itemizing has become a lot more difficult. Is there much that the average person listening to this can do if they don't have anything out of the ordinary income-wise? Well, there's still a couple of things you can do. You could contribute to a traditional IRA, potentially. You could still do a Roth IRA. Won't help you now, but it'll save you taxes later. You might qualify for an HSA, a health savings account. So again, that's going to be an adjustment on the federal to your taxable income. So there are still some things you can do. You just don't have as many options. Yeah, but those are still good ones because it's also putting money away for the future. Absolutely. HSA is a great way to go. If you're pretty healthy, you just keep socking that money away every year and you end up not using it. Eventually, it just basically converts to an IRA when you get old enough. The HSA, if possible, my understanding is, is that we probably want to try to pay out of pocket as much as we can and let that money accumulate, let it grow if we possibly can. Do you subscribe to that? Yeah, absolutely. The thing is, if I'm going to try and take the itemized deductions, probably not going to get anything. But if I take the out-of-pocket and put it through the HSA, when it's real, I mean, I'm certainly going to get a tax savings. But as much as I can preserve that, I want to try and preserve it and roll it forward and and grow it into a nice, big, fat nest egg. 
I know there used to be some help for teachers, for educators out there, for people that are in different professions where they're, they don't get paid, they don't get reimbursed. Are any of those things still alive, even if we don't itemize? The educational, um, the 250 has still been around, but slowly dying. There's not that much stuff. You could still potentially get a, uh, an education credit. If you're going to school, postgraduate or something like that, you might be able to get a tuition credit. It's still available for some people if your income's low enough. They've shaved a lot of that stuff away with this, you know, 2018 tax change. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, about the savers credit. That's, I know that got modified, but I'm not sure how. That one, I'd have to look at that one. I have to be honest, I don't have that many people saving. <laughs> so yeah. I don't deal with that credit as much. It sort of sometimes yeah, that, pops up and I go, that oh, one's that's also right. very, that's for our low income listeners as well. It is. And nothing wrong with being low income. It's just, I don't deal with a lot of those at the moment. Most of my folks yeah. are in brackets that we just don't address those questions often. Well, and I think a lot of that too is because of the fact that the itemized deduction for most people has gone bye-bye. So we don't, we, yeah. you know, the, the, I can imagine you wouldn't be working with a lot of those people. I want to make sure we take care of our W-2 people first, because that is yeah. the majority of our audience. Let's say that I get a number, Bob, and it's a number that is a number I can't pay. Right. What do I do then? How do I avoid penalties? What does the penalty look like? How do I get around that? You're going to get hit with some penalty and interest. But the most important thing is to still file the tax return. File it on time. So if you can't file in April, file that extension so that at least it's still timely. Because if you don't file on time, you're going to get hit with a 20% filing penalty for not filing Failure to on file. Time. Failure to file. 20%. It's huge. 20% of the liability. So you don't want that. You can work out a payment plan. File the return. Pay what you can. If you can't pay anything, wait for the notice because they're not going to work out anything with you until they have your tax return in the system. And then you're going to want to call up and talk to them about a payment plan, which can be spread out over up to six years. Now, you're going to pay a 5% penalty and the interest rate right now is still about 5%. It might have just gone to six, but it's it's still relatively cheaper than a credit card. And say not egregious. It's it's not. It's not. So work it out. Make a payment plan. IRS is very accommodating when it comes to making payment plans. They just want to work something out. Talk to them. I talked openly about my uh, issues back in the mid 90s when I was horrible with money, Bob. And one of those things was I owned a small business. I did not know anything about taxes. I didn't know about hiring people who would help me and teach me. Instead, I just gave my stuff to a tax preparer, came back and said I owed a bunch of money, which by the way, now that I know how it works, I probably didn't because I didn't <laughs> get him the right stuff, right? right? I did not understand what was deductible as a business owner. However, the big point I want to make was, was that at that time, calling the IRS, when I finally got my act together and calling the IRS and working out that payment plan, I thought it was going to be horrible. It was incredible. These people yeah. were very helpful. They were so accommodating. They worked with me. It, it was, had I known that this devil in my head wasn't nearly as bad as it was when I called, I would have called way soon. Is IRS still the yeah. same, still very helpful people? Look, about 90% of them are super helpful. You get a few that are like power trippers, but that's anywhere. Um, well, I was going to say that's IRS, any business, right? Yeah. That's any business. 
But the IRS, unlike California, is very accommodating. They want to work things out. They want you to communicate. So even if you can't pay, even if you can't pay now, they'll delay. They will work with you. Talk to them. Most of them, they're all taxpayers too. They want to help you. Let's talk about some of the things that are small business owners. If you've got a side hustle, right? A lot of our people trying to make a little income on the side. What are some of the things you see side hustlers generally miss because they're not true full-fledged business owners? So it goes right over their head that this might be deductible? Yeah. So a couple of things. I see people missing cell phone, internet, home office. A lot of people miss home office. And if you're using a small portion of the house that's dedicated for an office, that's a deduction. Take it. Especially if you're a renter, you're going to get that extra bump on reducing self-employment tax. The other thing that I see people miss is, oh, well, I bought some supplies or I bought a computer, but I use it for this and that. Or they don't pick up the mileage, run into the store to get supplies, running out to have a consulting meeting. Those little things, even if it's a hundred bucks here and 200 bucks there, it adds up. Do you have any tracking software or app that you especially like to kind of track that as you go? Well, I love and hate QuickBooks. It's a great little program, QuickBooks, Quicken. A lot of my clients use Mint. It's not 100% because if you don't attach all the accounts, you don't get all the information. But I have a lot of people in entertainment. And so what I also have them do is I tell them get 10 big yellow envelopes and divide them by supplies, automobile, uh, cell phone, and just throw all the receipts in the envelopes and just give me the envelopes and I'll just take it from there. because. <laughs> I love that though, Bob. It's less about the cool tech than what you're going to use. What you're telling right. me, I think, is whatever you're going to use is what's the best thing. Absolutely. Just do something. Like I said, I have a lot of entertainment people that zone out when I say the word tax. So fine. Just put it little, make it organized enough so that I can figure it out. I don't want to unfold your receipts from a grocery bag. <laughs> what if I... What if I go to a business lunch, business dinner? I, I think those changed uh, a few years ago. Can I still write those off? Well, you still can. And actually, this year is the last year that if you go to a restaurant for business, you can write off 100%. Starting 2023, it'll go back to 50%, which is what it was oh, historically. I needed to know this in December, dude. I needed to have like a big, huge, quote, business dinner. You and I should right. have done that at FinCon. We did. I think we did. I think you spent a couple thousand bucks. I just remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. I totally <laughs> forgot. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Committing fraud here on the Stacky Benjamin Show. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Got to catch us. No, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I've had people come in and say, you know, I have like 32,000 worth of meals and I earned $5,000. Probably going to get a second look at that from the IRS. You want to be reasonable. Yeah. Let's talk about our real estate investors out there. Because we have some brand new budding real estate investors. We have a brand new real estate sister show, Stacking Deeds. What's something you see our real estate investors commonly miss? One of the first things that I see is new investors don't understand that if they're over 100,000, the losses start to phase out. And at 150, they're gone. So a lot of times clients will come in, they've spent 20, 30,000, they know they've got a loss and they're like, yeah, I'm going to get a big deduction and they get a big fat zero deduction because they're slightly over the parameters that allows them to take that deduction. So that's a huge shock to a lot of people when they're counting on that twenty dollars or $25,000 deduction. The other thing, if you're doing it yourself or you're moving to another accountant, a lot of people forget to pick up those passive losses for those people that were over the 100000 oh. And I've had people come in and say, 
everybody told me I was going to get a refund, but I owe $20,000. And I look at the return. I'm like, oh, you forgot to release the 150,000 of passive loss carry forward. And, you know, making a couple adjustments. Now they're in a refund mode. Wow. It's like releasing the tax refund Kraken, right? Exactly. <laughs> Bring them out. It's just... The other thing I would say about real estate, especially with the primary residence, but with anything, because I see this happen a lot. If you sold a house and it's your primary residence and you're under the exemption of 250 or 500,000, you still have to report it on your tax return. It's not a taxable event, but it's a reportable event. And I've had so many clients with housing and with stocks and bonds, well, I lost money, so I don't need to report it. Yes, you do. Mm. You will get a big fat notice. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and that letter from the IRS might make your uh, heart beat a little more quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I have sophisticated taxpayers that said, well, yeah, I didn't report the house because, yeah, I didn't make a profit. Yeah. yeah. Mm, you need to. No. Still, st still have to. You know this. A lot of our stackers don't know this. They think this is the time of year for tax planning. This is the time <laughs> the conversation you and I have just had is about really putting Humpty Dumpty together, you know, after he fell off the wall, which was December right. 31st of last year. Truly, right. if we're going to make tax moves for 2023, the time to do those is before December. What are yeah. a couple things our stackers could be doing today for next year's taxes? Won't, won't help them with this April, Bob, but we'll right. maybe start to make a dent for next year. Yeah, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. We start all of our tax planning in October and have everybody knowing where they're going to land by the time we get to March or April, because December 31st, Last day, January 1st, too late for most of it. So a few things, RMDs. If you've got to take out money out of a retirement account and you don't want to claim the income, but you've got to take it and you're charitable, give the money to charity. You count as an RMD and you don't have to include it in your taxable income, right? And that's a much better way than claiming the income and making a donation. Better to just not have it in your income. So RMDs, you can give to charity. A um, couple of other things. It might be time to convert some of that traditional IRA or SEP into a Roth IRA. If this is the year you're not going to have a lot of income or you're going to have negative taxable income, convert some of that to a Roth tax-free or at a very low tax rate. And now you've got a Roth that's going to grow tax-free continually. So that's another big one that I would say to do. If you're having a lot of capital gains, you might want to look, talk with your financial advisor and... Uh, generate some losses on stocks that are never going to make a comeback and you know what they call harvesting and you'll want to harvest those losses to offset so that's something to play with i always see people that should be tax loss harvesting don't do it and i see people that are you know 25 years old with a with a 18 capital gain or that they want to cover up that they're tax loss <laughs> harvesting and i'm like don't <laughs> Don't worry about this when you're in your 20s. When your yeah. portfolio gets much bigger, do it. This is not a reason, why, they, by the way, to use a uh, robo-advisor you know, to manage right. your money because they say they'll do tax-loss harvesting. If, if you're just starting to save, probably not for you. Well, the other thing I would say too is I have a lot of clients come in and go, man, I lost $100,000. We get to write it off. That's not something to be excited about. You lost $100,000. It's great that we're going to get a benefit, but you still lost. <laughs> Don't be excited. 
there, there's a, uh, yeah, I remember there was a guy in the radio in Detroit, a guy named Rick Bloom, who used to always say, Bob, and I love this line. He's like, don't forget, our goal is to have Bill Gates tax bill. If I owe a bunch no, of money in taxes, I should be high five of myself because I had a damn good year. That's right. And it's funny because now a lot of my clients come in and when I tell them they owe, they'll say, and I know I'm supposed to be excited because I'm doing well. I said, that is exactly right. <laughs> nice job. Yes. So two questions. Number one, if people have, have questions for you and they want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Yeah, they can reach me at, the best way is bob at themoneynerve.com, bob at themoneynerve.com, because that handles my tax practice, my one-on-one money and emotions coaching and, and the podcast and everything. That's the best place to catch all. Well, and that is the second question, which is, I want to hear what's coming up. There's got to be something secret that you haven't told anybody yet that's coming up on the podcast that you can share with our Stacker community. Well, let's see. Coming up in the next four weeks, we've got the top fans only personality is going to be coming on our show. She's got 20 million followers. She's going to share her money. Yeah, she's going to share her money, her money mindset with us. Wait a minute. Should be a lot of fun. You say the top fans. Are you saying the top only fans? Right. She's uh, one of the top five only fans, top earners. Holy cow. She's going to share her money mindset or or some kind of mindset. And uh, we also just had two um, financial fraudsters, one unbeknownst to him that he was committing, you know, federal fraud laws and went to prison. And then we actually, somebody that, took about $50 million and was on the most wanted list, shares oh about goodness. his his journey. Holy yeah. cow. Those are some stories. Those are some stories. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Man. And that's the Money Shoot Ass podcast, which is available wherever finer podcasts are distributed. <laughs> Only um, the finer podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Bob, for hanging out with our stackers and helping us do better with our taxes. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, please feel free to reach out. We love to help people. I'm giving guidance and, uh, you know, happy tax season. Hey, this is Pete the Planner, USA Today money columnist and host of the Ask Pete the Planner podcast. When I'm not fixing the weirdest financial situations you've ever heard of, I'm stacking Benjamins. Thanks again to Bob for helping us with our taxes. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, Doug, they put what you value first. Uh, the Tigers having a winning record in the month of April. Oh, if that happens. Just, uh, just, just one month. for a month. That's all I want. Please, God, give us a month. Yeah. If they could. Yes. Oh, gee, we have to reprise our team meeting at uh, a Ranger game again. Yeah. Huh. Time you're ready. The team meeting. Yes. The team meeting at a Ranger game. <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, what happened to Doug's invite? On air talent meeting, Doug. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> that was just a bazooka to my face but back to the tigers let's talk about the tigers God. it's your loved ones in your time hanging out watching the tigers that's why they may buy quality term life insurance actually simple you go to stackybenjamins.com slash haven life now for a free quote free up lots of time to watch the detroit tigers winning ways application simple online you get an instant coverage decision all policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, more than a 160-year-old insurer. You know, lately we've been going to the Facebook group, The Basement, for some questions. What I'd like to do, OG, is actually go back to some of our old episodes 
and some questions people have had about our episodes. First of all, uh, this was Tony. Tony heard our uh, special episode about Silicon Valley Bank and what was going on at the time. Uh, Tony asked, is my IRA safe if the institute it's held at fails? I was listening to the special podcast about the bank collapse, and I believe the OG said that stocks are safe because they are mine and they're just being held at the bank. He said he saw a piece recently that he thought might have said the opposite. So we wanted to get some clarity. Oh, gee, if I have an account, IRA or brokerage account, I got stocks in it and the firm goes under that holds it, what happens to my stocks? Yeah, well, the biggest difference between FDIC insurance and any insurance that you have through your custodian, Fidelity or Vanguard or Schwab or whatever, is that FDIC insurance covers you if the bank goes out of business and they don't have, they don't literally have the money, right? You go to the bank and they say, we're out, which is what was happening with those two banks in the last couple of weeks. The FDIC uh, steps in and says, here's how much money you had and here you're made whole. The difference is, is that when you own shares of a company, you're a shareholder of that firm, uh, Apple, let's say, you're just holding the stock at a place that is convenient for you, i.e. Schwab or Fidelity. Because you can go directly to Apple, not in all cases now because most companies have gotten rid of this, but a lot of times you can go directly to that that company and say, hey, I've got $10,000. I would like to buy part of your company. And they have a process for that. You can go directly to that institution. They send you a stock certificate. I've got a couple hanging on my wall. Or they'll, they'll send you a statement that says, we've got your name down here, right? SIPC insurance doesn't cover you for the volatility of your stock, which is what some people think. Like if I buy Apple stock and it goes down, I've got insurance against that. No, that's, that's if somebody does something really below board and doesn't process your trade, runs away with your money, that sort of thing, like embezzlement, like real hardcore stuff in addition to the you know, criminal effect of that and the civil fines and all that sort of stuff. But brokerage companies don't really go bankrupt, not at the rate that banks do, because they're just in the business of holding on to stuff. You know, banks have to lend money and, you know, make loans and process that, you know, make sure that the cash flows are right, because they're not going to have all of the deposits in the bank at the same time, right? They send it out. Whereas brokerage companies, some of them do that, obviously, with margin lending and whatnot, but uh, the capital requirements are a lot different on the brokerage side. So I suppose there's a circumstance in which a, a brokerage firm could fail and you could lose your money. But I think that because of the fact that you own the actual shares of the entity and you're just merely using that brokerage company as a conduit, the worst that actually in practicality what happens would happen is that you would lose access to it for a period of time while they figure out you know, how do we sort this out? Um, because your hundred shares of Apple are still your hundred shares of Apple, regardless of if Schwab's in business or not. I think it does bring up the point, OG, too, that, that with your brokerage account, um, stick with the big names that you've heard of before. Stick with companies that have a reputation that have been there that a lot of other people are with. I think the other thing to keep in mind is that your money at a brokerage company is separated from Schwab's money at the brokerage company. Schwab doesn't use your money to go get loans to build an office building. 
They don't use your money to collateralize anything. They don't use your money is completely separate from their money. Now, Schwab makes money, right? They make money from trading and, you know, or from you trading and, you know, all those other sorts of ways. And with and th- that part of the business, they could be inefficient with, right? They could build too many buildings or hire too many people. And, and if they run out of money, that could cause them to go bankrupt. But because your money is never used for that purpose, you don't have to worry about their failure turning into your failure. And just to be clear, so we don't get mail from the the supreme money nerds, you can give them permission to borrow your shares to trade. But the key word there is borrow, OG. It's still your stuff. And they can use your stuff to go trade it with other people, correct? Yes, but that's more of that side of the business, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Schwab wouldn't go out of business because the stock that they lent to somebody for short selling went sideways. Right. They would go out of business because they had too many employees and paid too much in office space rent and, you know, whatever. Like they were just dumb with their, just like any, just like any business. And part of the reason that we, like we talked about with the banking business, part of the reason that it didn't work for them was because of the fact that they were taking customer money, which banks, this is how banks do it, taking customer money and using it to lend to other people and invest for the future, but the rates at which they were investing it were too low to turning around paying higher higher dividends because interest rates were rising. Meanwhile, they've got these big bonds, these big investments that they can't sell that are illiquid. So it just kind of fed this cash flow issue basically. It's a whole different whereas, deal. Yeah, whereas in your brokerage account, Schwab's not going to take your money and use it to like go buy an office building. Yeah, I just wanted to avoid the the 20 emails I was going to get just by <laughs> letting the Uber nerds know that we knew yeah, that. Yeah, it's way more complicated than that. And, yeah, and at yeah. some level, you know, I understand that for normal people, <laughs> you know, we normal people with less than a quarter million in the bank, this is all a moot point, really. You know what I mean? Like if you don't have $250,000 in your checking account, it doesn't matter. This doesn't matter to you. It's a, it's a pain in the butt, you know, if your bank goes under, but you're covered. And I understand like part of the issue is, you know, if you're a business owner and you've got millions of dollars and tens of millions of dollars, there's, there's bigger issues and you have to take different risk management approaches then. But, but I think for the vast majority of people that are listening, this isn't anything to worry about. I like how you phrase it. You know, yeah, it's a pain in the butt if your bank goes under, like if they don't have Lunchables at the grocery store when you go shopping. Oh, damn, my bank went under again. There goes my Tuesday. Well, no, I mean, it happens all the time. That's the thing is that it, it really does. These two happen to get a lot of publication or publicity, I should say, but it happens quite frequently on, uh, you know, on an annual basis. And there's a process for that. And yes, it is a pain in the butt. And yes, if you're not thinking about it, then, then yeah, your check will bounce or you won't be able to make rent. But hopefully it's not so much of an issue that is not solvable within a you know, a week. I mean, look at this. They they took over this thing in a seven days. You know what I mean? They solved it yeah, in a week. Boom. So, you know. We also got a note from Paul about a recent episode. Paul just had a comment, guys, about our game show episode featuring OG Len Penzo and Paulette Perhatch, where they were guessing 10 of the most expensive life occurrences, life events. What are the most expensive things in your life? 
and ways to make them less expensive. And number one on that list was having children, which I believe, Doug, without going back directly to the piece, they estimated either uh, $200,000 or $250,000 per kid. And Paul said, that podcast episode hit, period, hard, period. He said, if anything, their estimate for kids is low. Once you figure in aspects like if a parent decides to stay at home or go part-time, right? The loss of earnings for that, you decide to stay in a local area for the schools instead of pursuing opportunities in different locations, although this might help keep the low-cost mortgage. Drop-in brain power, prioritizing kids over corporate demands, so potentially missing out on other opportunities, etc., Maybe a quarter of a million is probably low per kid. I never did the math, but I figure each kid adds two to three years to our career, which probably works out, generally speaking, that the amount you spend on kids rises with your income. Doesn't necessarily have to, but tends to. Totally worth it, he said. But as one of the crazies with five or more kids, your episode hit home. (laughs) Paul's got five kids. So he probably, how hard do you think he was hitting his keyboard when he said this? Hell yeah, it's a quarter of a million. You think it was our episode that made him realize kids were expensive? He's got five of them, but it didn't. It didn't happen until it, he listened to our episode. Paul was wow, more like, "That's Duh. Where money's going." Yeah. I didn't really think of it. I wondered. I thought there might have been a hole in my pocket. Yeah, big thanks for that, Paul. If you've got a note for us, uh, Joe at stackybedjamins.com. But you know what? If you have a call for the Haven Lifeline, stackybedjamins.com/slash voicemail, and OG is happy to answer your question about money uh, like he did today. StackyBenjamins.com slash voicemail. And if you're brave enough to call, you know what? We will send you a Stacking Benjamins uh, piece of swag just for calling in. Well, that's going to do it for today, everybody. Big thanks to everyone, not just who wrote in, but to anyone who left us a review of this podcast. Big thanks to you. Mom puts those on the refrigerator and we, we super appreciate it. If you're not here for Doug's trivia, you're not here for just last minute tax tips, you're worried about fears around the financial markets, around the economy, that those might ramp up and you might be feeling anxious to make some moves with your finances. What I'd like you to do instead is check out this free guide that OG and his team have put together that'll help you plan more and panic less no matter what the market does. It's got some great insights on what you should be doing and smart questions to ask yourself so that you make financial decisions your future self will thank you for. Go to stackingbenjamins.com slash guide. That's stackingbenjamins.com slash guide to get that free guide from OG. All right. That is our community segment for the day. Doug, man, bring us home, buddy. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from Bob Wheeler to make sure your taxes get filed correctly and on time, even if you wait until the last minute. Second, remember the lessons from our headline. Looking to make big change in your life? Small budget changes can give you the freedom to do what you want with just a little planning and inspiration. (laughs) The big lesson... Glad I talked to Bob Wheeler about my taxes. Turns out that the IRS does not take handwritten IOUs. I can't believe my plumber would steer me wrong on that one. Thanks to Bob Wheeler for joining us today. You can listen to his show, Money You Should Ask, wherever you're listening to our podcast right now. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. 
This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lacey Langford, who's also the host of the Military Money Show, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. I got this from Lisa, listener Lisa, who told us she said that uh, that on-air personalities sometimes have the most difficult job because of the fact that while they're they're very fairly paid guys, they also end up well with situations like this one. This is an anchor in Wichita, Kansas. Moments for customers at a Kansas Home Depot. Police responded to reports of a bomb threat at the store in Wichita. A customer alerted employees. A man inside the bathroom said there was a bomb in the building. Police were able to locate the man responsible for those comments. And that man told police he warned other guests to leave the restroom because he was, quote, uh, fixing to blow it up, but had no intention of causing a panic. Man also told police others in the room laughed, understanding his joke, which I'm just now getting <laughs> Home Depot says they will not be pressing charges. But I can tell you right now, you asked the producer for me to read that, didn't you? <laughs> to Ethan now, please. No. <laughs> he's, he's warning people. This is like what you guys leave. do to me. You just put stuff in front of me. He'll read anything. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine just walking into a restroom? Some guy's like, you want to leave? Because I'm, I'm about to drop to a bomb. This place up. Who would call the cops?
Like, how do you call the cops on that one? Like somebody is totally just oblivious. Oh, that's a bomb threat. Isn't it a sad commentary on where we are as a society? It totally is. Imagine you're walking out of the John at Home Depot, very proud of what you just accomplished, right. and the cops show up. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.